0: Oh, you sons of God, bring to the Lord honor and glory. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let
1: us be attentive.
0: Brethren, I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that there be no dissensions among you, but that you may be united with the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there has been quarreling among you, my brethren. What I mean is that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Kephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should be say, lest anyone should say, that you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the household of Stephan. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Aleluia!
1: Reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew.
2: Let us be attentive. Glory to you, O oh Lord, glory to you.
1: At that time, Jesus saw a great throng and had compassion on them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed
0: the cry. To you, Lord, glory to you.
2: In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity," writes King David in Psalm 133. The prophet here is envisioning the perfect unified community, really the eschatological people of God dwelling together in perfect concord and harmony. He is speaking about the church which Christ established here on earth, the church of which we all are a part. The church which David saw in the Spirit was the one we also read about, of course, in the Acts of the Apostles, where it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul, and they had all things in common. All things in common here signifies most importantly common morals, common belief, common purpose, common way of life, and common worship. It means perfect agreement and harmony in all things, perfect unity in the bond of peace and love. That is what the church is to be and what King David saw in the Holy Spirit, Christianity, we could say, is the faith of unity because Christ brought into union once again that which had been divided, namely God and humanity. Moreover, St. Paul tells us in Ephesians that through the most precious blood of Christ, God the Father has, quote, gathered together in one All things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth. We are one then brothers and sisters and intended to be one, one with God and one with each other because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. All we have to do is look at Jesus suspended on the cross with his all-embracing arms stretched out, in what other manner does a man die, gesturing as if he is embracing the whole world, as St. Athanasius the Great said. The cross shows us how Jesus brings everything together into unity in him. Unity is so critical that the Apostle Paul was chastising the church in Corinth over disunity, as we heard this morning. The people in that community were, well, taking sides, kind of siding with one apostle over the other. I, like Peter, or Paul is best, or another would say, no, I'm with Apollos. Angry and bewildered, St. Paul couldn't believe what he was hearing. He couldn't believe the reports that he received about his flock in Corinth. So he asks a great rhetorical question, which there can be but one answer. He asks, is Christ divided? Was Paul or Peter or George or Bob crucified for you? And the answer, of course, is no. And if Christ is not divided, if he died on behalf of all those in the church and those in the entire world for the sake of reconciliation and unity, then we are all one in Christ, and there cannot possibly be any divisions in the church of Christ. It is an absurdity. The first-century bishop and disciple, St. John the Evangelist, St. Ignatius, while on his way to be martyred at Rome, wrote seven letters, beautiful letters, and the central message of each is unity. In one place, he makes it clear that his message of unity is not from man, but from the Holy Spirit himself, and he writes, do nothing apart from the bishop, keep the flesh as the temple of God, love unity. Flee from divisions, be imitators of Jesus Christ as he is of his Father. The call to unity, to be one, is even what our Lord prayed for all of his earthly children before suffering his dread passion and crucifixion. The night before his life-giving death, he prayed these words to his Heavenly Father. He said, I do not pray for these disciples alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. If we look at our own divine liturgy, the call to unity is repeated so many times and so central to our Christian life and worship that it can't be missed. We beseech God at the very beginning of the liturgy for peace on the whole world, for the stability of the holy churches of God, and for the unity of all. Just before the small entrance with the gospel, the priest silently prays, Lord, you have given us grace to offer these common prayers with one heart. Again, before confessing the creed altogether, as with a single tongue, we hear, let us love one another, that with one mind we may confess. Shortly after the consecration of the holy gifts, the priest exclaims, and grant that with one voice and one heart we may glorify your most honored and majestic name. And then just before Holy Communion, a petition is once again offered saying, having prayed for the unity of the faith and for the communion of the Holy Spirit, let us commit ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our God. Of course, brothers and sisters, Holy Communion is par excellence, the sacrament of unity. For it is in the Eucharistic Assembly of the liturgy that we are united to God and with one another, just as St. Basil says in his divine liturgy, and unite us all to one another who become partakers of the one bread and the cup in the communion of the one Holy Spirit. This is exactly what St. Paul said to his Corinthian parishioners in a different part of that epistle, saying, for we Though we are many, are one bread and one body because we all partake of that one bread." When I was preparing this, I was reminded of a very beautiful and unique, really one-of-a-kind icon I saw when I was on Maunathos. And the title of that icon was, En Eni Pnevmati, In One Spirit. It was a depiction, a reflection of the unified life of that particular monastic community. In one corner of the icon, a monk is working in the field. In another, a monk is nursing a brother back to health. In one scene, there are some of the father's cooking in the kitchen. And in yet another, there was a monk off in a cave by himself, deep in prayer but for all that in the very center of the icon, at its very heart is a scene of the church and the celebration of the liturgy, unifying and bringing together all the different scenes into one. For all the different services and talents and duties in that community, they are one, one in the spirit, and we are one in the spirit And we are called to bring as many people as possible into this unity, oneness with God and oneness with each other. Unity is key, brothers and sisters, for it shows us to be genuine disciples of Christ, as he said when praying to his Father. Our unity reflects the very divine life of God itself into this world the divine life which is perfect communion and perfect love shared between three eternal divine persons. Let us always therefore strive for this unity. Let us always seek to be one in the Lord, one in thought, one in will, one in action. While a house divided will not stand, a house united will not only stand but it will grow and it will prosper unto the glory of God towards his eternal kingdom. And to him be the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. Okay, please stand at this time.